Abbas, if I might. Yes, Madam Chair. Of course. Thank you, President Abbas. Um, I just want to, uh, again, give a little introduction. Um, we're going to have a presentation from both uh, Tom Lynch and Justin Stunberg in a minute. Um, but, and I'm sure that they'll cover some of uh, what I'm going to say, uh, so I won't take up too much more of your time. But I do just want to say that um, this is a conversation, the conversation around rapid transit is one that's been going on for three decades in Madison. Um, and I have been following it for almost that long, not quite, but almost, uh, and uh, have been uh, continually frustrated by our inability to make progress. And frankly, our inability to make progress is exactly because of the kind of conversations that we're having now. Uh, we couldn't agree, uh, we couldn't decide between commuter rail uh, and uh, rapid transit in Madison. We couldn't agree on uh, whether or not we should have a streetcar um, because we couldn't agree where it should go. Uh, and now uh, we have the opportunity to actually achieve rapid transit in Madison after three decades. Um, and we have had so much conversation about this, um, including a lot of interaction with downtown stakeholders. Um, and I, you know, there's this this recent trope around. Oh, we thought that there was the that the routes were going to change. That we still had a chance to change the routes. I honestly that befuddles me, um, because every conversation that I've had uh, about the Common Council voting on the locally preferred alternative has been, I think, abundantly clear that when you as a body last voted, that was what we were submitting to the federal government. Um, and that's the point in time that the decision was made. Um, the Common Council made that decision, and uh, any change to that decision now would require pulling back our submission from the federal government and starting again. Um, so I, it's just confusing to me that people are trying to rewrite history here. Um, but anyway, that aside, um, I'm very excited about this project, um, and I, I actually think that um, particularly the stations uh, have been made much better uh, because of input from downtown businesses. There were some very legitimate concerns, and I think you'll understand uh, when you see the visuals um, how legitimate those concerns are. Um, and I think that the work that staff have done to come up with a new iteration of the design um, is well done. Um, I think the new designs are much better and, and I think they do address a number of the concerns that we've heard. So I'm excited for you to, to get the full picture from staff um, and uh, for you be, to be able to get your questions answered. I'm also happy to answer any questions that you might have uh, along the way. But for now, I'll turn it over to Tom, who I think is gonna start the presentation. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm going to share my screen. So I'll do the, the first part of this, and Justin will do the second part. I'm going to push the slideshow, and sometimes uh, slides don't advance, and so if you don't see them advancing, let me know. Do you see a full screen, or, or do you see the presenter view, just out of curiosity? We see the full screen. Okay, great. Okay, so let's just, I'm gonna take 
a 10,000 foot view because I just feel like we always have to look at the 10,000 foot view. Um, from 2017 to 2024 years, Madison improved 10,000 dwelling units, creating 80,000 daily trips. So to give perspective on that, um, East Washington Avenue carries 50,000 trips. So that's kind of the types of things. And, and this, is, this occurred even during um, the recession. In 2017 to 2020, again, four years, uh, Madison for 5 million square feet. So if you were to equate a, a typical ratio of three, you know, three um, spaces per 1,000 square feet, that would be 15,000 parking spaces. So the city of Madison owns about, you know, manages 10,000 parking spaces. So just kind of imagine what that, that is. Um, we look at our job growth. Um, you know, we're really in a fortunate situation and probably I, I think there'd be cities throughout the United States that we just love to be in our situation. We have 200,000 jobs in 2010. There's about another 98,000 projected for Dane County. And that's just, a, that's a new figure that has been revised upward. Um, 46,000 are projected for Madison by 2050, 14 to 18,000 in the estimates. So again, if you think about these jobs in the estimates, we have 10,000 parking spaces in the estimates, public and private. Where do we put all these workers? How do we even fit them in? We just need a different way of getting things done. Um, these are kind of the, the past high capacity um, or rapid rail and transit projects that we've had. Um, you know, the 80 to 81 transit technology quarter study and the transit priority quarter study, I was not around for. However, I was around for the light rail transit quarter study, and that failed. That did not go anywhere. Then um, there was a 96 study to evaluate commuter rail, and that did not go anywhere. <clears throat> 98 didn't go anywhere. Um, there was some life, perhaps, in the 99 to 2003 commuter rail alternative, um, because perhaps if um, um, if it got coupled with the Midwest Rail Initiative, maybe we could afford to do it. Uh, but then the Midwest Rail Initiative got uh, canceled. And so then we tried to move forward with the um, 2005 to 2018 transfer 2020 commuter rail preliminary engineering. And we were actually told by F FTA, um, the turn back. They just said, don't even submit an application because we just won't qualify. So here, you know, here you can see there's, um, that's 30 years of us trying to do something. And since 2011, uh, we've been working on the bus rapid transit. First, it was the feasibility study that was by the NPO, and now we've been working on the, the planning side. What is our plan? Um, our, our main plan is basically the blue line. The blue line is our east-west rapid transit that um, we submitted to the FTA. Um, on the edges, we want 15-minute frequency, not 30-minute um, not frequency. But to meet the uh, capacity demand in central Madison, and um, what we've done is we've paired local service with BRT buses so that um, really between the Campus and Capitol Square will be able to have five-minute frequency, and from the Capitol Square out to First Street, we'll be able to have seven-minute frequency. And, and this is really um, just due to the, I'm going to say, the innovation of our new general manager, um, 
uh, Justin, who will speak later. So, so what's on our line? Now, this is just the blue line that you just saw. We have 120,000 jobs, 80,000 residents, three hospitals, two higher education institutions. And then, you, you know, if you include, you know, our extensions, it goes to four. Um, if you look at where our uh, job concentrations are, this graphic shows the jobs per acre. And this is what we really want, is we want to um, you know, get people out of cars, get people into a bus, and go to work. And so we're able to, to hit our two um, highest concentration job generators, which is the Capitol Square as well as the university. But if you look, we're also able to hit University Research Park and all of the jobs along the Merrill Point. Uh, we're able to hit the jobs up in the Northeast by uh, Madison College. And we've actually kind of put our, our, our toes into the water in that we are extending a um, kind of a, a light service, a BRT light service into the Sun Prairie. Um, I just gave a, a presentation to the TID board because we are hoping to find some of this for uh, TIF monies. And, uh, the people on the board include Madison College as well as uh, MAT, uh, Madison Schools. And so if, if you look at some of our schools, these are our, um, our high schools as it relates to our BRT system. And so I, I'm the father of four kids. And uh, when they got a bus pass, that was their ticket to freedom. And so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It kept them from using the car. <clears throat> but I remember my son had to uh, go to summer school He's an East student, and he had to go to Memorial, and he, it was just almost impossible for him. And here, he would have 15-minute access, you know, to get to Memorial High School. Stops right in front of Memorial, stops right in front of East. And then you couple that with Madison College and UW-Madison, because many students take, um, I want to say, advanced courses, and they take them at colleges. And this, you know, this just provides students excellent access to educational opportunities. Uh, one thing that we're um, very cognizant of is how are we um, how are we serving our communities of color? And this is a, a graphic that shows our lines and each, uh, each uh, orange dot represents uh, five households of color. And so you can see how we are trying to touch uh, communities of color. Um, to make it so that they have excellent access to downtown and to our employment districts. Um, BRT does have uh, economic benefits. Now, I'm going to I'm going to pick the best example, but there are other examples. Uh, I think the oldest or one of the older BRT corridors is the Nine Mile. Uh, it's called the Health Line, and it's, it's in Cleveland, Ohio. It was on Euclid Avenue. It was, I'm going to say it was a rundown um, corridor, but it, it, um, it represented $9.5 billion in economic development along the corridor. And, and so this one has the, the highest return on investment in any public transit project in the nation, $190 for every transit dollar invested. So, you know, $9.5 billion, that's a hard number to, get my head around. Uh, so I, I compared it uh, to the city operating budget because I'm, 
right now we're in the middle of a city operating budget. How many city operating budgets? This is it's 26 years worth of city operating budgets. You know? So we're not the same as Cleveland. We're a much smaller city. But we do have potential. There's opportunities for us um, to do good things. Um, this is uh, just a, a study from APTA, which is a kind of a transit advocacy organization. It basically says that you know, for every dollar that you invest in public transportation, you get $4 more. So what is bus rapid transit? Um, it's direct routes and fewer stops. It's frequent all-day service. So, it, you know, it goes from 6 in the morning to 12 at night. So it becomes a real transportation option for service workers and people that have jobs that have non-traditional hours. We try and make it fast, not because buses are going fast, but because we have bus-only lanes, and so they're separated from congestion. They're branded stations and buses. They're given transit signal priority, and then we look at trying to have a faster <clears throat> fare payment system. So this is one just rendering of what um, the bus rapid transit would look like on Mineral Point Road. This is an island. Um, our particular system that we're proposing, we're actually going to have a multi-use path on the north side of Mineral Point, and our um, our bus lanes will go down the center. Uh, we may not paint them fully red for the full length, just so you, so you know. Uh, this is one by um, Bree Stevens. And so uh, we have several stops along the Cap East District. Uh, they'll be running along the center. And so you, you think about all the households and everything that are in Cap East and them having, uh, I think here it's seven and a half minutes service you know, to downtown, to State Street. And you know, this will become, you know, a, this could become a preferred way of just getting around the city because it's so convenient and it's so frequent. Um, so the downtown routing, uh, this is what we are proposing. Uh, we are proposing to have um, BRT on three three blocks of State Street, 100 to 300 blocks, and around the Capitol Square. If we look at State Street itself, um, um, here you can see that um, we have the M's represent all the metro stops that are along State Street. Um, the blue ones have shelters. The gray ones do not have shelters. Um, we will route BRT on the 100 or 300 block, and then it's likely that routes west of Gorham will be removed from State Street. So the, the BRT routing and State Street in the BRT routing has it's really been a, a consistent. Um, it was kind of identified in the 2013 Madison um, Transportation Corridor Study. It was in the 2013 Transit Development Plan. It was referenced in the 2018 City of Madison Plan. And all of these plans had, you know, the BRT routing on, on State Street and along the square. Uh, we did take a, a deeper look into it. We looked at, um, you know, option one, option 1A, option two, and option three. Uh, we presented it to several meetings. They were held at the senior center. Some were in the fall. And then we had to, after we had them in the fall, we had to go back and look at it some more. And then we, we kind of released it in January of 2020. Uh, it was pretty, um, I don't know, we felt like we tried to capture many different viewpoints. 
Uh, it went through the committee structure, the Disability Rights Committee, TPBB, TC, uh, DCC, all these other committees. And this, um, the downtown routing report, along with the locally preferred alternative, was approved in uh, March of 2020, and there's the, the legislature number. Um, so um, between um, March of 2020 and I'm going to say fall of 2020, uh, there was a desire to rather than have side running stations that perhaps we could have center running. And this would reduce the number of stations. It could reduce the number of uh, impacts to adjacent businesses. And so um, we did switch, I'm going to say 60% of the route to center running. Um, the routing itself really didn't change where we located the stations did change. And so uh, we went back for confirmation in January of uh, 2021 uh, for the center running. Uh, because the route was essentially the same, uh, the FTA you know, wasn't as interesting. So you know, one reason why is, um, you know, why is State Street, why has it been part of the plan really since 2013? And it's, it's really because it goes where people want to go. Uh, State Street's a place. It's not, uh, and people want to go there. Uh, you know, it provides access to the visible and cultural center of the, of the city. You know, you think about it, we have three museums right there, performing arts center, retail, and restaurants. It's, it's a great place. Um, it's station and people-oriented, and there's enough space for stations and people. It's free from most traffic delays. And then it's fast and direct rather than circuitous. And, and the idea with bus rapid transit isn't so much that we want fast buses, it's just that we want buses to go the most direct route and so that they don't make turns and turns. And so that a, a, a trip that takes an hour in a car, you don't want it to take an hour and 10 minutes in a bus. We would like them to be more competitive. And so we would like to use direct routes and give them priority in the streets. Um, <clears throat> So what is the transit use on State Street? About 950 people per weekday boarded stops that would be consolidated on the State, State Street BRT station. So it's basically the, the upper State Street uh, stops. Uh, and it's about a quarter million people per year. Okay. Uh, and then many times more pass through the State Street on the bus and see the opportunities. Um, so, you know, here's... People, I've actually kind of been walking State Street and just talking to people in the bus stops, and I, and I just asked them, why, you're, why are you here? Why are you using this stop? Uh, this was this weekend. Um, on the left, those are two sisters. Uh, they live right off of Henry Street, and they were visiting. Um, in the middle, the person that's sitting down, she's worked on State Street for 15 years, and she uses the bus every day to get to and from work. Uh, the person that's standing is a vet. Um, the people on the right, um, they live in an apartment on top of one of the state street businesses. Uh, you know, I've talked to other people, you know, last week there was a, actually it was kind of, a, it's interesting, it was kind of a preschool or a day school, daycare school that had 12 students. And they were on state street, um, all with their same color t-shirts, and they were going from state street to actually Schrader Road, you know. People, these are just ordinary people that, you know, want to do stuff on, the, on State Street. So if we, if we compare, you know, boarding, sometimes it's, you think, well, 
didn't that many people really ride you know, miles and how does it compare to people on the cars? And so uh, we just compared, well, how many people entered our garages, you know, <clears throat> on Upper State Street and the Capitol? And how many people boarded on the square and how many people boarded on the state street? And more people entered our garages, okay, than um, boarded Metro, but not that many. I mean, you think about it, you know, our, our occupancy or the number of people that entered our garages was 40, 4,100 and the people boarding the bus is what, 3,100? So, you know, State Street can, contributes a significant amount of people you know, going to, you know, the square and State Street. Um, and then this one is on the square, um, <laughs> but I, I included it because it's such a great picture of rain, right? Um, and, and this is, uh, you know, the shelters are important because Sometimes it rains and, and people, you know, like to be out of the rain. And so what we like to do on our station, to the extent possible, is provide some space so that if it's in, in bad weather, um, people have a place to wait that's a little bit more comfortable. So at this point, I think I'm going to um, turn it over to, to Justin. And then, Justin, would you like me, I guess, why don't you tell me when to advance? Is that okay? okay. Sounds good. Uh, good evening, everyone. Justin Schoenberg, General Manager of Metro Transit. Um, for those of you I haven't met, I've uh, been here um, just a little bit over a year, um, so I don't have the full full depth of history that Tom has. But um, but I did uh, in my previous job uh, was building a bus rapid transit line and, and did finish one. So um, there are some elements here that I can speak to. Um, so um, first, I want to talk a little bit about the, the stop locations, um, you know, where these stations would go. Um, so, uh, you know, much has been discussed um, around um, you know, that we're adding these giant stations. Um, I, I just want to emphasize that we're actually reducing the total number um, of stations. Um, and then as we get to the, the renderings here in a minute, I'll show you um, what, um, what those stations will look like in comparison to the existing um, but what this is showing is where the existing, uh, as Tom mentioned in that previous slide, where the existing bus stops are. Um, the circles in red um, are what's proposed currently for the BRT stations. Um, and the, uh, the circles in green are essentially are, you know, the other options that we've shown. Um, but essentially all of the other locations um, would go away most likely. Um, as we go through the network redesign. And so uh, we're actually reducing the total footprint stations on the, on the corridor. Uh, Tom, if you want to go to the next one. Oh, here we go. Okay, you want to advance to the next? So, um, so again, uh, I want to remind everyone that um, State Street is a, a primary transit hub or corridor right now. Um, we do have a, a lot of bus service on State Street. Um, we've got a lot of overlapping routes, um, many of them coming, um, you know, at the same time. And so, you know, we have a lot of bus service on State Street right now. Um, and, and absent any change, would continue to do so. 
Um, but as part of our, our planning for this effort, um, you know, we are looking to significantly reduce the number of buses. Um, so I just want to emphasize again, we're not adding BRT buses on top of the existing bus service in the corridor. We're actually replacing bus service with BRT, um, which will actually be a net reduction of total buses um, by 60% in the upper street state, state street section. And then actually in the lower state street, we expect to reduce that entirely to zero. Um, and, and so again, um, that that will just um, compared to existing conditions, and especially 2019, um, we'll actually see fewer buses. Uh, one one note, I think a couple of people brought up the bigger buses. I just want to emphasize those are no wider or taller than the existing buses that are out there today. They are 20 feet longer, um, but that does allow us to run fewer of them. They can carry about twice as many people, um, and so. Um, I think there was a question asked around, are those really necessary? I would say yes. Um, we we need that capacity in order to carry the number of people that want to use transit. Um, and uh, actually, before the pandemic, had many issues of people getting passed by because there just wasn't physically room for them to fit on the bus. Um, and so, you know, we need that extra capacity to absorb that. Um, and then if you want to go to the daily, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit less dramatic uh, on the daily, um, but still a, a significant reduction in the total number of buses on, on State Street, both upper and lower, um, with the BRT plan than it would be with the existing condition. Go to the next. Um, so, again, this is another um, view of the, uh, of the proposed BRT station locations that we've talked about, and I'm going to kind of step through them. Um, one by one, show some renderings that we've done uh, after we've talked with various property owners. But uh, before I do that, um, general dimensions. So first, I want to make clear that the unobstructed sidewalk space, basically the area between the building front and the trees and light poles and whatever else, um, you know, that area will stay unobstructed. Uh, you know, whatever pedestrian capacity that sidewalk had before, it will have in the future with even with the BRT. So we are not constricting the sidewalk down to five feet. Um, we are uh, that clear zone for the sidewalk would stay. Um, the stations would be built be built in what we call the terrace, which is kind of the the area between the clear sidewalk space and the curb. Um, and so we can fit these shelters in the stations into um, into that area without blocking the sidewalk. Um, on that platform, that platform will be about 10 feet wide and about 50 feet long. That allows us to serve all of the doors of the bus. Um, and it will be elevated slightly. So it'll be about 13 inches uh, above street level, um, whereas the existing curb is five inches or so. So it's, um, it's roughly eight or nine inches uh, above the existing sidewalk level. So it's really just a, a single step up. But what that, that gets us um, is the ability to um, load and unload uh, passengers at every door, including uh, folks in wheelchairs and other mobility with other mobility challenges at all doors. Um, and it prevents us from having to, um, to deploy these ramps like this is showing, um, which is important because that takes a lot of time. Um, and so when we deploy ramps, not only does it add time to the, the passenger's journey, um, you know, that they have to spend for the, the, the ramp to deploy and, um, and be pulled back in. Um, it also makes it really difficult for us to keep our schedules. Um, and so, as you can imagine, with a bus coming every five minutes, which it, uh, it, it's, 
when one bus is delayed by two minutes for one of these uh, wheelchair ramps to load and unload, um, it really throws our schedule out of whack. Um, and makes it difficult to maintain schedule reliability throughout the entire system, not just on State Street. Can I go to the next? So I'm going to walk through uh, fairly quickly these uh, various options and the different renderings that we've done. Um, we've shown these to, to many of the, um, the stakeholders along the street. Um, and, and I'm trying to show this to you to, just to see the scale of what exists today versus what we're proposing in the future. Uh, as well as what we've uh, already done to uh, compromise with adjacent building owners and, and users. So first, you know, this is the full-size station design. Um, if we were to plot that down, um, as you can see, it is significantly larger than what the previous shelter was. Um, and uh, while we're able to maintain quite a bit of transparency, it's not, um, you know, it's not as much as desired, especially on a street that this size. So if we go to the next one. Um, so this is what it would look like with the existing shelter, um, just shifted a bit um, on that new platform. Again, everything behind the station, the clear sidewalk space is maintained as it was before. We'll go to the next one. And then this is a, a version with the, uh, with the new shelter design that is sized to be the same size as the existing shelter. So in this scenario, we're, we're shifting the shelter slightly, but it is no bigger uh, and it's just a new design. The next one. So this is a you know, similar example. Tom, if you just want to step through these. Um, this is with the existing shelter. This is with the new version of the shelter. Similarly here, this is um, near the corner of Johnson and State. This would, is what it would have looked like with a full-size unaltered station. So with the existing shelter and then with the modified version of the shelter. Uh, this is right across the street on Johnson, existing shelter, existing shelter with the platform and new version of the shelter. Uh, going to the 300 block um, in front of Triangle Market here. Um, existing condition with an existing shelter placed there and with a new version of a shelter placed there. And then the, the, at the Gorham end of the 300 block, again, existing condition, this shelter exists today. This is what it would look like on a platform and then with a new shelter design. You can go on to the next one. So um, now I'd like to talk a little bit about schedule and project budget. Um, I know some of this has been brought up, um, but I just want to kind of put a fine tooth or a fine point on it. So we were recommended about a little over a month ago for an $80 million grant for our project. Um, there were only a handful, actually six um, projects that were recommended for funding. Uh, we were one of those six. Um, as you can see from this list, these are all the other agencies that apply. So there's, there's a strong competition for these dollars, and these dollars are not infinite. Um, and uh, you know, I think we're fortunate to have been recommended for this project um, because uh, it's, it's, a, 
I think we have a strong project and, and we were recommended for this funding, which is a, a big win for us and allows us to move the project forward. Uh, if we go to the next one. But schedule is, is critical for us. Um, so we're in what's called project development right now. I know there's a lot going on here, but I'll explain it a little bit. Um, our plan is to start construction uh, near the middle to end of 2022. Uh, that will allow us to open for service in 2024 um, in the summertime, which is when we do all of our major service changes. Um, we are about six months into our environmental study that's necessary to meet this schedule. Um, that environmental study takes about a year, roughly, and we're about halfway through it, uh, roughly six months into it. Um, a change at this point in the game um, does reset the clock on that beer, on that um, environmental study. We would need to essentially go back and start over starting that environmental study. Best case, that delays us six months. However, uh, keep in mind, you know, we're in Madison, we're in winter. Uh, we aren't going to open a BRT line when it's zero degrees outside. Um, and so in reality, that actually pushes us a year out um, to, for a delay in our opening service. Uh, I would say that's best case scenario. That's assuming that a change is made today and adopted by the council and locally preferred alternative. Most likely that, that would take much, much longer. Um, and so, you know, I think it's fair to say that um, any change to the, to the alignment and routing at this point would add at least a year, if not two, to the project schedule. But the other piece I just want to point out, too, is that, you know, our, our plan is to, uh, our plan requires state collaboration. We're running on a state highway, US 151, uh, for much of the corridor. Um, and it, we will, it will be required that we have a, a, an interlocal agreement with the state that they sign off on before we start construction. Um, and so I, I think for a lot of reasons, it's important for us to realize that um, there's a gubernatorial election in 2022, and it's important that we have that state support. Um, and if we don't, um, it's very likely that the project could go away entirely. So I just want to emphasize that point. Um, you know, I don't want to be overly dramatic about it, but it's real because um, I think we've all, we all understood what happened uh, to some projects uh, back in 2010. Go to the next one. So uh, again, just to to reiterate and recap, um, how we've already made modifications to respond to concerns as best we can. Uh, again, recognizing that the State Street corridor was selected uh, by the council um, and reaffirmed again this past year. Um, we, but we, you know, we do want to respond to business owners and, and other uh, entities along the corridor to make sure that we, we can minimize that impact uh, while still bringing more people to State Street, but minimize the direct impact of those businesses. Um, and so, you know, the BRT project, we've committed to moving to a mostly electric fleet, which will reduce the noise compared to what's there today. Um, we've reduced the bus shelter, shelter size to what is essentially the same size as the shelter that's there today. Um, we've shifted and modified the design of the shelters to make them more transparent, even than the existing shelters that exist today, um, so that any window visibility is, um, is, is no more impacted than the existing shelter would be. Um, we are not impacting uh, through sidewalk space or um, any area that's been uh, used for street dining. 
um, or other vending. We're reducing the total number of stations um, from 10 down to two. Um, we're reducing the total number of buses, um, again, by 30 to 60 percent, depending on the time of day. Um, and we are most likely, uh, again, this is pending the route redesign, the network redesign project. Um, but at least at this point, um, our staff recommendations are that the, low, the buses on Lower State Street uh, be removed uh, because that uh, we do have a, a path to bypass Lower State Street without adding travel time, unlike Upper State Street. Go to the next. I think that's it, Justin. Okay. Thank you all. We're happy to take questions. Thank you, Tom and Justin. I just wanted to to highlight and clarify two things, um, President Abbas. And and the first is on that question of the network uh, redesign that Justin just mentioned. Um, at the reason that, that there are asterisks next to that every time you see it is that um, I want just to be 100% clear that that is a thing in process. The council hasn't seen that yet. Um, and I obviously don't want to speak for the council and what you might approve. Um, right now, as, as Justin said, the, the staff proposals do show rerouting uh, buses off the 400 through 600 block of State Street. Um, it's possible that the, the, through the committee process and uh, when we come to, to council approval that that could change. Um, again, we just I don't want to get ahead of you all in what we're saying, right? So we're trying to be really sensitive uh, to that process um, and your role in it. Um, and then the other thing that I just wanted to, to make sure to clarify, um, Justin showed you uh, a number of options for stations, for, for BRT stations on State Street. And I just want to be 100% clear that we are only looking for one on each side of the street, right? Um, and uh, we've developed a bunch of alternatives in the process of listening to business owners and trying to address their concerns. Um, and so that's why you see so many pictures. Uh, but I think at this point, the staff recommendation would be um, for the stop on the 200 block at Johnson and the 300 block at Gorham, um, the closest to those streets. Um, so I just wanted, because I know that those maps and those pictures can be a little confusing, um, and I just wanted to clarify 